Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. So I am going to go ahead and jump in. And as I, I, I shared earlier, that um, for those of you that have, have spoken at Cornet in the past, we submit the ab- abstracts about seven months prior. Um, and so in reviewing a couple weeks ago and refreshing my own memory on what we submitted, um, I realized it was pretty ambitious and our intention was for the full hour. Um, so I'm not going to be able to talk about all of the environmental elements and the tracking and the impact on carbon emissions. Um, uh, but I'm going to touch on a lot of it. And, and I Ideally, and hopefully you'll get some insights um, that you didn't have coming here. So that's all we can hope for, right? So just um, starting with some general housekeeping information. Hopefully you all have the app um, that will tell you where the exits are um, because I'm. Uh, we all have the app in our pocket. I'm not entirely sure where they are. I came in that way, so that's the way that I'm going to go if something happens. Um, but also, again, with the app, uh, we can get feedback and, and give, um, uh, you know, under, connect with each other, et cetera, et cetera. So, as my introduction just shared, um, EQ and U tracking environmental quality to create healthier workplaces. Um, before I dig into the the topic itself, um, yes, I am with AECOM. For those of you that are not familiar, AECOM is a large, one of the world's largest um, design and construction entity. Um, we design bridges, we design tunnels, we design cities. Um, I'm part of the Buildings and Places group, and within Buildings and Places, which is essentially the ground-up disciplines, we have architecture, interiors, engineering, cost estimating, um, asset advisory, and then our team, people place advisory. And so what you're seeing here is just really a bit of our our ethos and philosophy to help you understand um, why this topic is so important to me and I believe to all of you in the context of kind of zooming out and, and what we're dealing with today. But we really look at enhancing the human experience in the built environment. That is what what um, our whole um, studio is focused on and, and working with all of our, our partner disciplines is really integrating that and integrating data um, both externally and our own research to really help clients make informed decisions. Then the last thing I'll say here is that we talk a lot about disrupting the traditional approach to design. I often like to say that the traditional approach to design is giving them what they want, whereas the strategy-led approach is telling them what they need, right? Um, because what uh, we know about about building science and health science is evolving. So it's really critical that those of us that work in the real estate and design industries are bringing that knowledge to our clients, to our portfolio analysis, et cetera, et cetera. Because really, when you think about it, uh, buildings exist to house the people and the functions within them. and so uh, a big part of that, I'm, I'm not going to go into all of this. All of this is available in the public realm, but a big part of our ethos is contributing, if not leading the dialogue um, around the future of work. So we have a number of things here that we put out there in terms of activity-based working, future office, um, and, and a slew of um, research that we put out there. So back to the topic. So uh, again, those of you that are interested or, um, uh, well, obviously you're here because you're interested, there is a growing awareness, and there has been over the past decade, of health and well-being in the built environment. So um, if you're familiar with with these organizations or institutions, these governing authorities, um, uh, again, you you may not learn necessarily anything new from me today, but one of the things that I believe or we've seen is that they're heavily technical um, and really important guidelines 
guidelines and parameters and standards. Um, but they, um, we, I don't believe that we have really empowered the occupiers or the end users with the understanding of how these elements impact us personally, our physiological performance, our cognitive performance, et cetera, et cetera. So, but we do draw from all of these in all of our work. Um, some other additional research and initiatives that we bring into the work we do for our clients is um, we, we use the, the six dimensions of well-being as defined by the National Wellness Institute. You know, that's a graphic we use all the time when we're looking at our design standards and working with clients. We evaluate the physical space in the context of those six elements. Um, there's the Healthy People 2030. There's um, the, the nine foundations of healthy buildings, which is the framework of the next 15 minutes. Um, and if you haven't read it yet, uh, Joe Allen's Healthy Buildings book from um, Harvard University, it's a game changer. We made it mandatory reading for our studio a couple of years ago, and we do book, um, uh, book groups and, and whatnot, but it's really, really compelling. So I encourage you to, to take a look at that. In addition to that, those are the external references or resources we bring into our work. There's some things that AECOM is doing across the board. And we have our, just like many other organizations, um, especially in the Fortune 500 in the government sector, everybody has their scope three um, or scope X um, uh, uh, requirements. Everybody's looking at their um, external carbon emissions. Um, we at AECOM have developed or designed entire studios around this, um, with a combination of our high-performance buildings, our sustainable economics. Um, we're really rallying around this in terms of what we're doing in our own portfolio, but how we're bringing this thinking to our clients. And there's two other things I'm going to point out here. At Cornet, uh, five years ago, I did a presentation on wearables in corporate environments. And in that presentation five years ago, I talked about um, very similar in nature, the impact of the built environment or environmental quality on our well-being. And then I said the rise of wearables was going to start to create an informed um, occupier community or an informed um, workforce. And that pretty soon that we're going to be able to walk into the building and we're going to know based on our own wearables, how that environment is impacting um, our own physiology. And right now, I can tell you that my watch has already told me it's a little too loud in this conference. But again, I'm only here for a couple days, so not a big deal. I'm not coming here every single day. Um, it's telling me my heart rate is racing because I'm talking in front of you all. It tells me about the CO2s and the air quality. So, you know, we are there. And in the context of hybrid working. So, you know, why why as a commercial real estate community should we care? In the great debate about hybrid working, mandate versus magnate, magnet, I always get that uh that's a tongue twister for me. Um, but when you're talking about how many days a week or if you're going to full, full flexibility and looking at the future of work, again, we have to think about what are we asking people to come back to, especially in a mandate environment, right? In, in people's homes, the environmental quality of their homes is their responsibility. But when you are asking folks to come back, again, whether you're trying to draw them in or mandating them in, um, the, the physical environment has a direct impact on our, our performance and our productivity. So again, why is this important in the hybrid working context? But as a species, we now spend 93% of our time indoors. So this is according to the EPA. So this is really historically unprecedented. Um, we were not designed, we did not evolve to be an indoor species. It's really just the past 100 years that this has happened. Um, so again, when you think about what the, the our buildings do to our health and well-being, our cognitive functioning, it's never been more important to understand it, think about it, and again, 
again, for those of us in the design community, real estate community, influence it. It's critical. Okay, so. As I mentioned, we were uh, hoping for the full hour session. Um, in the full hour session, I go through all nine of these. In the interest of time, I'm going to talk about four of them. The four, what I believe to be the most important and most influenceable um, from the real estate and design community. So we're going to talk about light, air quality, acoustics, biophilia. So light. Now. Light, I think I find fascinating. This in and of itself could be its own hour presentation. We were commissioned by GSA a few years back to write a research paper called Light Matters. Um, what's really interesting about light is that some of the more obvious elements, um, you know, if it's glare, if it's too, too sunny, or the sun is coming in on your, your computer screen, things like that, those are obvious. But something like 80% of the impacts of the light systems that you are exposed to are, are not as... Um, perceptible to the individual. Uh, you typically don't know when the lighting has an impact on you. So when you look at some of the sources, of course, glare, flickering light sources, seasonality, I mean, it's gray and dark out there. We, we know we have to account for that. Dim or poorly distributed light, blue light. One of the things I think is really interesting to consider in your lighting systems in the built environment is that many of our lighting infrastructure um, was developed or designed when we were more of a horizontal society, right? We were working on our desks, we were writing things down, we were looking down so that the light coming from the top going down, but we have now become vertical and our screens are vertical, and the screens themselves emit light, um, and it conflicts with the light that we're putting in um, our buildings. And so some of the things that can happen if you don't have uh, cohesive, excuse me, I forgot I had notes over here, so bear with me. Um, so one of the, some of the things that can happen, it has a direct impact, you know, impaired cognitive functioning. If you ever find that you're um, a little bit uh, slower or struggling to find your words, sometimes that can be a, a, a result of, of strong LED lighting or disrupted sleep patterns. I mean, there's a whole body of work about circadian rhythms and how the lack of natural light can really impact that for um, a full 24-hour cycle. So it's really important that you're getting um, the, the natural lighting cycle um, into through your, your retina. Of course, eye fatigue, if you're staring at a screen, staring at your phone, staring at the, the light coming in, that can really impact you negatively. Um, so uh, as far as, here's an, a fun little factoid. Older adults require three times the light levels of 20 to 30-year-olds. So that is something that I didn't necessarily understand or, or realize. Um, how do you test it? There's things you can do through sensors or spot metering. Um, I'm not going to get into the, t into the uh, uh, illuminance or lux levels or light color or light temperature because we simply don't have time. But really looking at some of the things as far as you know, um, circadian lighting, or you know, window shading, or something that we advocate a lot for is ambient or task lighting, especially in the era where you're not seeing your, your floors being fully occupied. There's no reason, and this is where some of the energy elements come into play, there's no reason to light the entirety of a floor or the entirety of a building when you only have 30 or 40% occupancy in there. So the idea of task lighting with, with uh, individual controls helps with the individual uh, physiological element, but also helps with your energy efficiency. So acoustics, um, 
I only have five minutes left. Dang it. Okay, I'm going to go even faster. So acoustics, this is one that everybody's really familiar with. This is the opposite of light because you tend to know when you're being distracted. You tend to know when you can't concentrate because of noise outside. This is a huge one in terms of hybrid working. All of our research shows that people are coming into the office now to socialize, collaborate, mentor, train. Um, but of course, work is more fluid than that. You still have to concentrate. You still have to focus. So if we're not thinking about creating or providing zones for individuals um, to do that focus work, then we're going to be failing our workforce because um, you can't focus and collaborate at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. You can come together and break apart, but it's really important. And I think one of the, the um, most easily implemented solutions is the idea of activity-based planning, non-assigned seating. Folks can go over here when it's, you know, this is the quiet zone. This is the, the, the collaborative zone. So that's one of the easiest, you know, behavioral shifts that has nothing to do with the design. Um, certainly you have to plan for it, you have to communicate it, you have to convey it. So you can test. I'm going to do, um, so we talk about EQ, environmental quality. I'm just going to flip that to A. Um, indoor air quality is a combination of temperature, CO2, VOCs, and humidity. So in terms of testing, um, I'm really I'm going to get into CO2s because, again, if you have an Apple Watch or a Fitbit or whatnot, it can tell you what the CO2 levels are in the room. Um, what is the source of it? It's uh, your HVAC. It's the outdoor air. It's where your filtration system is coming into the building. Um, it uh, has a lot to do with, you know, scents and, and personal, you know, products. We actually did a project once where we had an allergen-free zone, um, which was difficult to communicate, to be totally honest. But some of the impacts of it is the idea of, uh, I've said this before, but again, reduced cognitive performance, drowsiness, fatigue. This one here, so the way that you measure CO2s is PPMs, and I'm not going to get into the technical elements, but this is the part that I want to point out because, you know, you've all, I think, experienced this, right? You're in a conference room all day, you're, you're bright and shiny-eyed in the morning, and then come 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you, you can, you know, barely string a sentence together, and your tendency is to, maybe I need to caffeinate, I need to go get some, you know, some caffeine, take a walk. It could be a simple matter of just opening the door um, because the, the HVAC is is you know designed for the average not necessarily you know people in a room continuously eight hours 12 people breathing in their own co2 and if you see it it's it's not just um, fogginess but it's headaches it can also cause sleeplessness uh, in the future um, stagnant and stale air concentration loss of attention I mean when we think again about the purposes of our workplace it is to further institutional knowledge um, and to collaborate and brainstorm and ideate and if we're in rooms where we're not you know, allowing our brains to get the, the oxygen that we need, then again, um, we're, we're not serving the purpose that our workforce is looking for. Okay, three minutes left, so I'm not going to talk about humidity, but just know that when it's really humid, scents travel even more, and so it's really important to... Um, you know, look at uh, dehumidifiers or humidifiers, depending on the climate. Um, I am going to talk about temperature because this one is, there's an interesting factoid that came out a couple years ago. Uh, temperature is one that we've, in all of our workplace surveys and our interviews or whatnot, it's, oh, there's always a gender divide. Um, you know, women like it a little bit warmer, men like it a little bit cooler. You know, sometimes the response is or has been, you know, put on a sweater or this or that. Um, but it's also difficult to, to level the temperature, especially, you know, as the sun goes east to west and certain areas of the building are going to be warmer than others. Um, but one of the things I like to point out is that, where do I have it? You know what? 
I'm going to skip ahead is that right here, there was a study that ASHRAE funded, but the idea of it's no longer about preference and that with each degree warmer, women tend to perform higher and men tend to perform higher with each degree cooler. So it's no longer a matter of saying put on a sweater or whatnot. We are talking about um, cognitive functioning, cognitive performance. And again, this is another reason why I believe that activity-based planning is really important. And one of the things, if those of you that saw maybe the GSA session yesterday, they have some pilot programs or innovation labs, there's new technologies out there that when you go to book your room, you don't just see if it's um, occupied or unoccupied, but you see its availability, you see the air quality, you see the temperature, and you can book the room based on those details. And that really, again, is making that information available to the occupants so that they can make the best choices based on their preferences, um, as well as um, you know, their own awareness of where and how they perform best. So, biophilia, I am at time. Am I, am I okay? Okay, two more minutes, two more minutes. So, this one could also be its own presentation. Um, the idea of humans having an instinctual positive reaction to greenery. Um, certainly in corporate environments, you know, ideally, you know, real plants are um, preferred, but we also know that they bring bugs and maintenance and all, all kinds of things. Even fake plants will give your brain that just brief shot of, um, um, oxytocin. And so our, our brains have a natural reaction just to seeing the greenery. So again, the idea of, of magnets and bringing people back, just having some greenery and organic shapes versus the image that you're seeing here, which is just not how humans um, evolved. Um, it just, it creates a stimuli, it creates a, a more soothing environment. Um, I am so con conscious of the time, and I'm so glad so many of you joined in the standing room only. Um, so when we talk about health and well-being, so I've already talked about the gender divide. I've talked about, so what I didn't um, share was in biophilia, that there's six, there are research that shows that people are 6% more productive in spaces that have greenery and um, organic shapes, and then in some cases, 15% more creative. So again, there is a real, uh, actual, measurable um, mental boost that can, that can happen. So really, just in summary, I'm gonna, why should I care? You know, why do we look at this? Again, the awareness is emerging. Um, in terms of scope three, if, if you all are not familiar with that, as real estate professionals, organizational professionals, we have to educate ourselves on that. That's, every, that's all the, the um, commitments that we and our organizations and our clients have made to reduce our carbon emissions, but also to ED&I and, and health and, and well-being and equity. Um, I've already talked about this. The hybrid work debate. Um, if, if you know, there's a smaller population, maybe about 20% of us that have the the wearables or the quantified self. The more sophisticated technology gets, the more that people are going to be able to assess their own productivity, cognitive functioning, physical and mental well-being in the context of the corporate office and compare it to their home office. And if you all are in the in the camp of looking to mandate, people are going to say, well, the the conditions of this building um, is is not as good as what I have in my home. So it's going to become something, if not already, a really critical um, um, decision criteria for ta uh, talent in the long run. And so with that said, I'd love to take any questions if I have the room for a little bit longer. But otherwise, thank you for coming. And um, I hope you enjoyed and learned something, maybe one or two things that you didn't know before. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? 
Visit CornetGlobal.org to learn more.